Well, good morning, church. Yeah, good crowd. When we first started, Don said uh, we were saying, well, down a little bit. We are a little bit, but he said down a little bit, and Don said Easter hangover. <laughs> Obviously, he knows what a hangover is. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Man. I'm teasing. You don't, you don't know what that is. Do you? Hey, let's take our Bible this morning. I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 1, if you would, okay? Hebrews chapter 1, in just a little while, we're going to be reading a few verses. We're going to be sharing a little bit with you. Uh, you know, I, uh, there's always, I think for us Christians, there's always been a mystery to the will of God, hasn't there? Uh, at least for me, and, and I know I'm a little slower, but I, uh, I've always kind of struggled a little bit knowing what God does, how God does it. The, the mystery there is just sometimes can be so challenging, at least to me. One thing I've learned is that God doesn't call ahead and uh, kind of give me the idea of what he's about to do. He just does it, and then he lets me try to adjust to it. And I think that's a, kind of a neat way to live in some respects, but it's a challenging way to live in other respects because, you know, God's not obligated. Uh, God is God, and he's in sovereign control. And uh, what God does, he chooses to do, and then he tells us, get on board, and uh, as you're going through the process, I'll shake it out more and more, and I'll show you what my plan is. I got a call this week in, about Peggy Henderson being in the hospital, and you know, uh, her, we, I knew that she had been sick and all of that, but I have to tell you, uh, don't know that I was prepared for God to take Peggy so quickly. And in just a matter of a few hours after I'd been there, uh, just like that, God took Peggy home. God didn't call and tell me that. Uh, God didn't call his fam her family and tell them that. God just does what he does. And uh, sometimes that's quite a, a challenge to us. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about for a few moments this morning, okay? Let me tell you, I think the theologians in the, all through the history of the church uh, knew that the church and Christians, followers of Christ, would have trouble from time to time discerning God's will. Uh, they knew that as we studied the Bible, God would speak. It, he speaks through the Bible, doesn't he? But at the same time, as he began to unfold things, they knew we would struggle. And so they tried to help us a little bit. And oftentimes theologians take the will of God in and put it into three different categories. I want to mention that to you uh, for just a moment. The reason they did is so that we might better understand God's will all the while knowing that it's still so challenging to us. One of the things they would say is his decretive will. And by decretive, he's talk, they're talking about the decrees of God that happen. They're stressing the sovereignty of God. That God, whatever God decrees, then ultimately that will happen because God is in total control. And so they call it his decretive will. And then another category they give us sometimes is God's preceptive will. Not perceptive will, but preceptive will. That's basically the precepts of the Bible. It's the commands of God that he gives to us. You've heard me say, you've heard preachers say that, that uh, when God gives us a command, it's not optional. He gives us a command to obey. But in his preceptive will, God gives us some room to obey or disobey. Now, you know as well as I do that commands are not optional. So 
we're supposed to obey. You also know that when you do obey, it just is better. Maybe challenging, right? But ultimately, it's better for us. And when you don't obey, you know what God does because he loves us as a parent does. He sometimes uh, challenges us and disciplines us, okay? The third will that they often talk about is God's disposition will, the will of disposition, referring to that which brings him to light, uh, brings him to light, that which, which pleases him. And yet, gang, even though they try to help us with all these different little categories, the fact of the matter is, it's hard sometimes to distinguish what God is up to. Now, here's our comfort level. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is in control. So ultimately what happens follows along with his providence as he works out the control that he desires and the decisions that he makes in our lives, okay? Whatever he ordains comes to pass, whether we like it, whether we understand it or not. Let me give you an example. This week, my quiet time uh, was in Acts chapter 12. I, I hope you have a quiet time, okay? And let me encourage you, if you don't, to get one. I know you're busy. You're busier than me. It's harder for you than me. You've got to live in the real world, and I know you've got to be at a certain place at a certain time. And, and so it's a little different in your life than my life. But I want to tell you, I want to encourage you. And I've been where you're at, so I know how hard it is. But I want to encourage you to do something. If you don't have a 10, 15-minute window before you face the world, you need to have one. If you uh, have to get up at 6 o'clock every morning or 5 o'clock, get up at 4.30. Take a little bit of time just to feast on God's Word. Read just enough that you can understand, think about for the rest of the day, and let God use that in your life. This week I, I found myself reading in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, and in Acts 12 is where the persecution against the church begins. Herod took James and killed James, one of the apostles. And when he saw that it pleased the people, he decided that he would go ahead and take Peter as well and do the same to Peter. The Bible tells us that prayer was made and then during the night an angel came and opened up the prison doors and brought Peter out in freedom. Well, after I, I read that section of that chapter, uh, I, it, something just hit me, so I stopped. And I thought, wait a minute, God, this really doesn't make sense to me. Why James? Why James? I mean, I could understand Peter. You know, Peter was a guy that was always kept putting his foot in his mouth. I understand that. Peter was the guy who denied his Lord three times. Peter was the guy who actually rebuked the Lord. And yet the Lord took out James and he left Peter. And I, I, wrote, I wrote in my journal, God, I don't understand you. I don't think that bothers God, by the way. God, I don't understand you. And the way you work and what you do, oftentimes, God, for me, is a mystery. And then I wrote, but God, that is your right. For you are God, 
And Father, I know this much about you, that whatever you choose to do, while I may struggle, it is always good and right. It is always righteous for your righteous. And it'll always be for the good of your church and your people. And it will always be for your glory. Having said that, would you stand with me in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, a book that sets very clearly forth the primacy of Christ. I want to read a few verses, maybe capture one little phrase that's given to us, and then you'll know in a moment why I've chosen this passage. Verse 1, God. After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. If you want to know anything about God, you better check out Jesus. Hmm? And if you want to know anything about Jesus, dear people, you better open the Bible and you better read the Bible. And you better not wait just for a preacher to stand and take 30 minutes, all right, 40 minutes of your day, or a Sunday school teacher to take... 30 minutes of your day. You've got to get into the Word yourself. For the Word tells us about the Son. And through the Son, we find about the Father. Now, notice in verse 2, he, he gives us six, they're called clauses, six clauses that describe the Son. And he builds to a, a really neat point. Verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things. He's the great inheritor. Through whom he also made the world. He's the creator. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. And here's the phrase I want to capture. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And that last phrase, when he had made purification of sins, and then here's this point he's wanting to make. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. He sat down at the right hand of majesty. God rules. God's in control. Father, in the next few moments, help us as we look at a, an incredible phrase that lets us know that you're always at work in the lives of your people and in the life of your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, gang, be seated. Keep your Bible if you would. I, I want to I wanna take a moment to maybe set the context of, of the book of Hebrews because maybe it'll help you understand a little bit where we're going today, okay? We actually don't know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, there's been a lot of supposition who. I think the best way for us to explain it is that, that God wrote it and he chose somebody. And when we get to heaven, uh, we'll find out who it is, Okay. But the writer of Hebrews knows that his friends were undergoing an intense storm. Now, generally speaking, it was a storm of their faith. Now, there was a lot of emotional, there's an emotional storm. There's a spiritual storm. There was an intense persecution. And so he's writing to try to encourage. In fact, some of them were beginning to stay out of church. And later on, he'll say, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. They're, they're bailing out of church. 
And gang, I want to tell you, when storms come and when pressures come and when problems come and when challenges come, the thing you need the most more than anything else is the church, you see. And so he's trying to encourage them in, in those areas. They were wondering, where was God in all of this? What was going on? Or perhaps they were saying, why has God left us? Why is God doing or allowing what he's doing? And so the writer from the very beginning says, God, who spoke this way in times past, is speaking this way today through the Son. He gives us those six clauses that we looked at, and then he was through. He sat down at the right hand of majesty, which means that he completed everything that he set out to do, and there's nothing more to do. Now, the writer is establishing very early on in this wonderful letter that God rules, and he rules totally as much today as ever before. And that phrase, he upholds all things by the word of his power, is the idea that God's got everything in his hand, and he turns it whatever way he wants. There's been a thought over the church years, the history of the church, that God created the world, gave it energy, gave it laws, put it in motion, and then God just backed off to let the world go at its own pace. That's been defined as deism. Thomas Jefferson was a deist, okay? Some of our founding fathers were deists. And the idea was that God just uh, uh, put it in motion And then God just backed off of it, kind of like a a mystical atlas who took the world up in his hand and passively just lets it run its own course. This phrase, God upholds all things by the word of his power, kills that idea. The word upholds means more than just to to bear it up. It's a word in, 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 in the original which means to carry everything, to cause it to move on. Not to be passively connected, but to be actively connected to what is going on. God's not a static God. God is a dynamic God. It's written in the present tense, which simply means that he moment by moment drives, directs, carries, concludes everything that happens in this world in a general sense, but everything that happens in your world in a specific sense at every moment of every day. He started it all. He will complete it all at his set time. And what a comfort it is for you and I who are followers of Jesus Christ, who live in a culture that's opposed to Jesus Christ and a culture that's becoming increasingly more opposed to Jesus Christ. One preacher wrote it this way, he maintains the movements of every event of history. And what he meant by that is this, everything is all according to his working plan and his plan is working For his people, the church. Jesus is our bedrock. And while events may take place and while things may happen that challenge us, while challenges may 
may come and while uh, the tensions may rise at times as the oceans that come in and out, you remember that Christ, after making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty and now everything that happens happens according to his perfect will. Even if we don't understand it all, frankly, even if we don't like it all, God is a dynamic God. Now, I said all of that to say to you that you're about to hear an announcement this morning, okay? It's a good announcement. It's not a bad announcement. It's something that, uh, that God is involved in. It's something that shows to us that he is sovereign, and in his providence, he's carrying his sovereignty out in accordance to his perfect plan, okay? So, Lisa, I want you to come for just a moment, if you would, and share with us. Hey, I'm not sure this thing's on, guys, and, and I don't know how to do nothing. So how do I turn on? It is on? There's no light? Button on the left. Where it says Mute. Hold on. Hold the mute down. Would you like me to do it? No. I'm in charge here. No, I mean, God's in charge. One, two. Hey, you got it. You got it. 18 years ago, God gave me a dream and a vision to start a kids' ministry here at Indian Springs. Today, I stand before to tell you I'm stepping down. God has moved my heart. Um, it's been a journey I would travel again because of you and... I see these kids over here, and some of them, I remember when you were born. That's right. I can't thank everyone who's shouldered up next to me and, and uh, done ministry with me because I would forget someone, and you've all been so fabulous. You know who you are. Some will ask why, and I will just say, who knows why God does what he does, the mystery of God's will. But Jeremiah wrote and said, He who makes the clouds rise in the sky and sends lightning with the rain and brings wind from his storehouses, that God, we don't choose what we do, we just obey. Amen. Will it ever look the same? No, it won't. But that's okay. Who knows how it will look? Corey Ten Boone said, it's okay to trust an unknown future to a known God. I look forward with great anticipation to see who God will bring and the vision he will give them. Show your support during this transition. Don't become weary. Don't become complacent. God hasn't changed. He's not surprised, nor has he been caught off guard. He's not forgotten to remember his people. He has a plan. Let there be no wild explanation or idle chatter. I am leaving because God has moved me. I love Indian Springs. Hida and I have been here for 24 years investing our lives with you. And we will continue to be here. It will just look different for us. I want to thank a few people, Tammy and Sherry. They're not here right now because they're over there serving. But I want you to know this about Tammy. She is the most loyal person I know. Sherry is the most positive person I know. She's that person that when they say make lemonade out of lemons, she's that person. I would do ministry again with them because they know how to do it with excellence, and that's the only way to do it. Tom, I want to thank you for allowing me to dream, providing the support to make it a reality. 
even through the tough stuff, I always knew we had a common cause. It was Christ and the truth. Amen. Thank you. To my family, to Hannah, Haley, Haven, and Harrison, and most of all to my husband. Only God knows the sacrifices you have made. And he's the only one needs to. You have carried the burden of ministry with me. You have done the hard things, and you have done them well. I love you, and I thank you. God will reward you. <laughs> Don't confuse my crying with my decision. I'm just a woman, and we do this. <laughs> I said that to the preteens earlier, and all the girls laughed and shook their head, and all the boys looked at me like, what? If you know me very well, you know how I feel about my mom. My mom's 79 years old, and she is still a firecracker. But her whole life, she is living it with total abandon, whatever she did. How she raised my brothers and I, and how she cared for our home, how she worked, how she cares for her yard and her garden now. I can recall many times when I would get ready to leave to go do something, and she would always say to me, give it all you got. Don't hold anything back. I could still hear the creak of the old door when I got ready to leave, and she would say as I was leaving, leave empty, leave empty. Hmm. I want my mom to know I'm leaving empty. Thank you. I said to the early service, the only problem with this is I've gone from being Lisa's boss to she now gets to be my boss. So, and uh, I, I appreciate, Lisa, you'll be hearing more of some of the plans and, and, and all of that. Let me just tell you something. Um, 19 years ago, I got a phone call. I was pastoring. We were down in DeWitt, and I got a phone call from a group of people and asked if I would consider coming to Bryant. And uh, I at first said, no, I mean, if you're an outdoorsy guy, DeWitt's the place to live, you know, other than mosquitoes, man, you know. But I said, well, we need to pray, and so we prayed. And in the span of a two-week period, I, uh, I began to do a lot of demographic study. God began to stir my heart, and God... God really placed upon our heart that we were supposed to be here. And I knew exactly what was going to take place in our community. And I remember we all one Sunday met up the hill. I didn't even know Lisa at the time. But I remember some questions that were asked. Charles Baker asked me one question. He's, you know, about coming, what it would be like, what it would, you know, your ideas. And I remember telling the group, we was a small group at that time, I remember saying to them, that uh, if you call me to, to be your pastor, then you need to know up front. I said, I know what's going to happen around this community. I know it probably better than you do. I've been immersed in it for two weeks. And I know what the next five years, and I know what the next ten years, no, I had no idea it would be now close to 19. But I remember saying to them that uh, if you call me, then unashamedly, Without any apology, the greatest investment we're going to make is in our children. 
I said, if we wait till they're teenagers, we'll lose them. And so you need to know that by calling is there's going to be a lot of investment, time, money, energy. I had no idea that God was going to raise up Lisa Kanai. And after about six or eight months of trying some things that just didn't work well and people were mad, we didn't have very many kids, but teachers were all ready to quit. And I remember Lisa coming in one day and, and uh, telling me, she says, Tom, I think I'm supposed to do this. And um, so that began an 18, has it been a full 18? Is it really? Wow. Seemed like 50. Uh, no, I'm teasing. Uh, that began a journey of God's blessings on a people. And I want to tell you, I don't know that I've ever known anybody who works any harder, sacrifices any greater than Lisa. And God has smiled on her ministry all of these years. And I am so thankful that I've had the joy of being part of that, watching part of it, and uh, getting to lead some of that. It's just been incredible. Now, some of you are going to be wondering what's going on. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just, God's will is hard to understand. (laughs) God's got it all scoped out, you know. And uh, I can tell you that uh, now that you know, beginning tomorrow, we begin a process. And I ask for your prayers, first of all, for Lisa and them, and TJ and, and the girls and, and Harrison, because this is a tremendous transition. This is all she's known for 18 years of her life. She's given her life to this. So she's got a transition into what she's going to be doing. Uh, it's not going to be easy for them at, here at church because that's where they've lived all their life. And now they, you know, aren't you glad they're staying, praise the Lord? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. They've got to figure that out. You know, that's not easy to do. Uh, and we as a church, we've got to figure it out as well. Uh, somewhere in this world right now, God is preparing someone. There's some kind of agitation going in, on in the heart of someone, and that person may not even know why or what's going on. But God has called and God has selected that person. All we've got to do is figure out who that person is. And so we begin a process. We covet your prayers. Uh, We covet your commitments. Uh, This would be a great time for some of you to step up and say, whatever you need me to do, let me know. We've got Camp Jam right on us. Lisa's going to be helping us, but Lisa's got some other commitments. God's shifting her career, so, you know, she, she just can't do what she's always done, so... This is a great time for us, church, to step up and say, what can I do? And somehow between now and the second week of June, we'll let you know. Uh, but it's gonna, we're going to do it, and we're going to do Vacation Bible School, and uh, we're going to do, we're going to rock on until Jesus comes. And God's got it all shook out. And what a great God. Hmm? The mystery of his will. That kind of makes life exciting. My pastor told me in a pulpit he preached years and years ago. He said, I feel sorry for people that never get to the place in their life where God has to, 
Or beloved, we're at a place in the life of our church where God has to. And God will. God will. Okay? So, Lisa, uh, and you'll be hearing more, but Lisa, thank you. I, it's been my honor to walk alongside of you. Barbara, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you come up and play something, whatever God lays on your heart? And please don't burn my house down. <laughs> I know. I see the finger. I see that. I see that look. Oh, yeah, I see that hand. I want you, uh, let's just worship. Let's bow our heads. Let's just worship. Let Barbara just get loose. And let's just worship. And then we'll pray and go home. Okay? Father, we love you, and we trust you. God, each of us know that seasons come and go. Winter turns to spring, and then all of a sudden summer. And then the heat breaks and comes the fall. 